2: Welcome, everyone, to the RF Course Radio Show. I'm your host, Rodney Fisher. I'll be joined by my co-host, uh, Royce Fisher, in just a second. We got a big, big show for you guys tonight. A lot going on in the world of sports, everything from Chad Johnson. We just got a chance to see you get cut on hard knocks. We're going to talk a lot about that. Dwight Howard, and the trade to L.A. What does this mean for the Western Conference and also for the L.A. Lakers as well? Also, wrap-up the Olympics, Team USA, who was the MVP for Team USA. And, of course, against the Dallas Cowboys, our hometown team here. We had a preseason game that, as you say, didn't go quite go so as planned. We'll talk a lot about that. Again, we want to welcome everyone and remind you to go to our website, rfsportsradio.com. For more information, also follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash rfsportsradio. So without further ado, let me bring on the patriarch of our show. The man who this show was all created for, so you get a chance to go to a sporting events for free. And that's the one, the only, Mr. Royce Fisher. How are you tonight, sir? Hey Rodney, what's going on? You doing all right? I'm doing pretty
3: good, man. How are you? I I'm doing great. I'm kinda of having withdrawn from the Olympics, man. I hate to see him go. I really enjoyed him. But I think football season would take the place of that real quick. Yeah, I think so too, man. Speaking of
2: football season, a lot to talk about on that front. So, where do we start? Do we start with who got cut, who's now playing? Uh, it, it's so much stuff going on. Twitter's a buzz. Our website's a buzz. Some of the big stories, of course, being the start of a lot of new quarterbacks, new rookies, but also the start of our team here locally, and that is the Dallas Cowboys. And I know you want to lay oh, yeah. know a little bit about how the Cowboys perform. I've got some. I've got some pretty. Unique things to say as well too. So I, I guess I should let you have the floor first. Cause I have a special secret weapon on my side when it comes to the Cowboys. I'm not going to say anything just yet, but but I'll let you go ahead and get your little little talk in before we go
3: there. Well, you know, I just came from outside. A storm is brewing in Dallas. Not only you know in the Dallas, but on the Dallas Cowboys, man. I tell you, you know, if you notice, I posted on the website. Five things I was going to watch last night on the Cowboys. Number one was Tony Romo. Number two was defense. Number three was offensive line. Number four was the wide receivers. Number five was running game. And if I had to give the Dallas Cowboys a grade from last night, that I call them not ready for time players, I would give them a D. That's all around a D. I know you saw the game last night. As a Cowboy fan, how do you feel? As a Cowboy fan, I was pretty upset by what happened last night. I'm going to be
2: honest. I'm pretty upset because I expected, as I do every season, for them to be above and beyond a lot of teams. You know, I'm going to pick them to win regardless because I'm a true Cowboys fan. But I was very upset by what I saw uh, yesterday, I should say, or last night, I should say. By the way, they didn't protect Roma. He's running around there for his life. Of course, he got no one to throw it to since Miles Austin is hurting. And, of course, Dez Bronley knows partial, you know, some plays of the playbook. But they didn't protect for him. The running game didn't really do well. The the defense, I guess they were okay. They did pitch a shutout. But, again, they're playing against the Oakland Raiders, second and third teams. But at the same time, I I, I was very, very disappointed by what I saw, pretty upset
3: by what I saw uh,
1: from right, the Cowboys. Right, right,
2: I got to see more.
3: Well, right, Rodney, right, you know, I, I saw Tony Romo. You know, I, I'm starting to feel sorry for Tony, Tony because I think he's a good player on a bad team. Uh, as far as the defense, they did do a shutout. Wasn't anything spectacular. A few good plays. But I, you know, as a Cowboy fan, uh, which I'm not really picked, I know you are, you have to be concerned about the offensive line. Do you know that Tony Romo was sacked 39 times last year? And 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 the penalties, and I I see him going forty one this year with the line y'all have. I thought nobody step up as a third wide receiver that I could even, you know, put a finger on. And the running game was wasn't even there. But you had twelve penalties, four of them on special teams. You know that that, that shows me that they're nowhere near the near ready to start the season. That right that shows me a lot.
2: Well, again, curb you know, curb a little bit of that because it is the first preseason game. I know you felt like they should do more. I felt the same way too. But it is just the first preseason game. Let, without further ado, let me just stop the show real quick, just for the next five minutes. You know, you you have beat me up about my love for the Cowboys for a very long time. Am I right or wrong?
3: You're absolutely right.
2: People have called in and bashed me for my love of the Cowboys for a long time. Uh, Chris has called in. He's always bashing about my love for the Cowboys. You, of course, have always wanted me to pick another team. And, and, I, know, and I know it's been – I think it's been unfair. That's, that's what I'm going to say. It's been really unfair to be the only guy on the show that really has a, a true silver and blue blood mentality for my hometown team. So I had to bring on some extra help today. He did need it. I've to bring up some extra tips today. Let me welcome to the program Stephen Nagy, the author of 101 Reasons to Love the Cowboys. Stephen, how are you tonight? And 10 Reasons
0: to Despise the Foot-Off Eagles and their fans.
1: There you go. (laughs) There we go.
2: (laughs) Welcome to the program, Stephen. If you would, go ahead and give us a little background. Of course, you wrote a book about the Dallas Cowboys. Give us a brief synopsis of what this book uh, entails about the Cowboys.
0: Yeah, you know, pretty much. I'm, I'm 38 years old, so I've been a Cowboy fan, uh, even though I'm a Jersey guy, since I was seven years old in uh, 81. So I put together, uh, you know, different reasons of uh, my love for America's team. Um, you know, obviously, in the uh, audio book, you're going to focus a lot of in the 90s, you know, when they won the three Super Bowls in four years. Um, my favorite uh, Dallas Cowboy of all time, Emmett Smith. Uh, is one of the reasons, along with um, a lot of his accomplishments. Uh, you know, just off the top of my head, I uh, remember January 2nd, 1994, when the Cowboys were facing the Giants at the uh, Meadowlands for the uh, number one seed, and uh, Emmett uh, took the Cowboys on his back in that overtime drive, which right. culminated in uh, Eddie Murray uh, kicking that game winning field goal. But, you know, if you're a Cowboy fan, it's just a great uh, CD. And if you hate the Giants and the Eagles, it's a great CD too because I totally clown on them big time, uh, you know, throughout the uh, CD.
2: Let me ask you, though, guy being from New Jersey, how do you how did you end up
0: being a Cowboys fan? Yeah, you know, everybody asks me that. Um, like I said, uh, I started, you know, really remembering football in the early 80s when I was seven, eight years old. And, you know, even though the Cowboys weren't winning uh, Super Bowls uh, at that time, they still were making it to the uh, NFC Championship game. And, uh, you know, I, I got caught up in the hoopla with the commercials, Tom Landry and uh, uh Two Tall Jones and Danny White. Um, so, you know, they, I just fell in love with them. And, uh, you know, they've been a big part of my life and my soul ever since.
3: Well, let me say this. I, I've been a Cowboy fan probably a lot longer than you have. I'm over 50 and under 60, so I'm not going <laughs> to tell my age right off the bat, but I'm somewhere in between that. But I, I, I remember going to the first Cowboy game ever at at a State Fair, of Texas, where they played at the Cotton Bowl. So I, right. I've been a fan for a long time. And, and let me ask you something. You know, I've studied the Cowboys. I was a fan in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. And, and I don't like this team. And I can tell you why I don't like this team. I think it's a lack of mental toughness, you know, and it starts with the head coach. I call him Dennis the Menace. I know y'all call him somebody else, but to me, <laughs> Dennis the Menace. Simply by the fact that, you know, the the team goes as the coach goes. you have a tough, tough coach, you usually have a tough team. You know, we've seen it with Andy Reid, Bill Carr, all those guys that has been around a while. I don't see it with this team. I don't think they have the mental toughness. You know, we've seen it with the Giants, you know, for the playoff game last year. That was a playoff game they played the Giants. And the Giants played mentally tough. Everybody that goes on to the Super Bowl is a mentally tough team. I don't see that with this team. Well, you know, I, I mean, you know, that's a fair point right now. I mean, especially
0: some of the blunders, uh, you know, last year, uh, one of the games, you know, the obvious game at that point punches in Arizona. Right. Um with the uh, timeout, uh, you know, situation. I mean, I remember watching the game and yelling at the screen to call a timeout because they definitely could have ran another play. Um, You know, it's going to come down to, um, you know, like you were mentioning, one of the uh, major concerns uh, still is the uh, offensive line. And, uh, you know, my two biggest concerns coming into this year – were the uh, offensive line and, uh, as you also mentioned, uh, special teams. Because I remember back in the uh, early 90s uh, when the Cowboys were blocking three, four, three, four points uh, a game and uh, Kmart was uh, running punt returns back. And uh, we really haven't seen that uh, in a while. Uh, the one big plus, though, is that they did address the uh, secondary. And that, to me, was the reason why the Cowboys couldn't hold on to leads. Uh, especially when they're playing good passing teams like the Giants and the Eagles. And even back in 07, when the Cowboys were 13-3 in the regular season and had the one seed, uh, you know they still were vulnerable to giving up big chunks of yardage uh, uh, through the air. So I think for the first time in a long time, uh, this uh, secondary will help. And also, they've got to get back to creating turnovers and interceptions, which they haven't been doing uh, as good a job uh, with that either. I think that's going to be a big key in the season is trying to create more turnovers as well.
2: We're joined by uh, Steven Nagy, author of the book, uh, audio book, 101 Reasons to Love the Dallas Cowboys. So glad you joined me, man. I, I finally got some backup. I finally got some true Cowboys backup. <laughs> we're, we're, oh, we're, 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 no. oh, let say let me finish. Let me finish. But okay. before you go, we do have some college calling in. we got people in the chat room when to ask you some questions and everything. Let me go ahead and bring on one of our callers here. Of course, let me first of all welcome another part of our sports team, Mr. Ryan uh, Henry, who joins us. Welcome to the show, Ryan. How you doing? Good Good to have you on. But before we get to Ryan real quick, we have one other person that wants to get a comment in. caller. you're live on RF Sports Radio. We're talking Dallas Cowboys. I love for the Dallas Cowboys. Go right ahead. Oh, we on? Yeah, caller
1: five two six nine. Tell us okay, why you yeah, love cowboy. Uh, yeah, this is. Yeah, this is. You, I think you recognize
2: my voice. This is this is the host of test drive America. This is Chris Fischer <laughs> I, I had to. I I was listening in and I had to come in and come on in this episode because I I just you know I I'm my ears are not believing what I'm hearing right now. Okay, so let me get this straight. We have you have backup and and if I if I understand it correctly, you have a book. A hundred and one reasons to love the Dallas Cowboys. Is that correct? Yes, that's
0: that correct. To despise the Eagles and their fans. You're not an Eagle fan, are you, <laughs> okay.
2: sir? Okay, okay. Why would you write a book that's a hundred and one ways to love the Dallas Cowboys? I mean, is this like an overall thing? There, are, right now, there are not a hundred and one reasons. There are not ten reasons right now to be
3: a Dallas Cowboys fan. It is, as far as their execution. And as far as who they have up the staff making the decision,
2: it's not going to work. It's, 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 I just, I don't see any sort of as long as Tony Romo's at the helm and you have uh, Garrett as far as back there, Colin players, it's not going to work. It's Not going to work. They will well, never well, win well, a ring with that
3: combination.
2: Well, in defense never. form, I think I think you're speaking mostly in terms of just an overall Dallas Cowboys, right? Not necessarily this. This team. But that brings me to another question, though, Stephen, before we uh, let you go. Again, we're joined by Stephen Nagy, host, uh, the the author of the audio book, 101 Reasons to Love the Dallas Cowboys. Before we let you go, and I'll let Ryan get a question in as well. I want to ask you, though, when you look at this team the way it's comprised right now, and you look at the teams in the 90s, of course, that wouldn't everyone loved the Cowboys, do, do you see do, I mean, do you see the drop-off? Do you think this team is ever going to have a chance to win a title the way it's
0: constructed right now? Uh, I mean, if the offensive line – I mean, like I said, the biggest concern I have is the offensive line because, you know, what they have to do is not only give Romo enough time to throw the ball, but, um, you know, they also have to give him enough time where he's not taking as many hits. As, as he has been taking the pass, because I think he's like 31-32 now. Right. And, um, you know, one of the big concerns is that, you know, can he complete the whole season? And even if he's completing the whole season, you know, you, you notice that last year in the final game, even though he played, he did get his hand dinged up the week before against the, the Eagles. So, um, you know, if you're telling me the offensive line is going to play to a grade of a, a B or higher this year, then I'm I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, one thing I do like is that they do have as the offensive line coach, Bill Callahan, uh, who they got from the Jets and who's the former head coach of the Raiders, who is, uh, you know, respected as a great offensive line coach. So I do think if you were going to put a, a coach in that position, there would be no other person I would want at this point other than Bill Callahan.
3: You know, and I understand that they're juggling the lineup for of the uh, offensive line. But, you know, last year Tony Romo had – would you say his best year, but he, he was sacked 39 times. I mean, and, and he was hurt the last couple of years because of that. I, I don't see any improvement on the line this year unless they go out and get somebody. They do have people they could trade to maybe get better at that, but I, I, I just don't see it. And like I said, no offensive line. They go as far as the offensive line. go. I don't see them going very far with this lineup.
1: Ryan, Ryan what do you think? I think – I, I think you guys are right. I think that offensive line looks more like Swiss cheese than uh, than something that's actually going to put, put up any kind of uh, defense against especially the, the, the Giants' front four. Like, you look at the, the front four that we have to deal with, just in our division, the Giants are going to tear us up every single time. I mean, they, they didn't look good against Oakland, and Oakland does right. not have a good defensive line. like they are not anywhere near the the top of the NFL. And if we don't look good against Oakland, what do you think we're going to do when uh Pierce or Tuck or anyone else comes rolling through there? Yeah. Right. Well, I think the real problem uh, that you guys mentioned that uh that it's Jason Garrett is the problem. I don't th- I think it's Jerry Jones. I think Jerry Jones the general manager doesn't work. The team that we're winning with now is largely picked from people that we had during the Bill Parcells era. Tony right. Romo was brought in under Bill Parcells. Miles Austin under Bill's, Bill Parcells. That offensive line that we had three years ago that was pretty decent was all people that uh, were brought in during Bill Parcells. But now, now Jerry Jones has a little bit more pick of the personnel, and it should be no surprise that we're not doing nearly as well. We got really, really lucky with DeMarco Murray for, what, the six weeks that we had him before he right. broke his ankle. Right. And we're hoping that he can string together that same kind of run over the course of an entire season. But I think the real problem comes down to, to Jerry Jones. But you do have yeah. like to give him the credit because they, they got before. Tyron Smith in
0: the draft.
2: Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they, I, I I still ride with Jerry. I, I know he has made some – some some bad judgment calls in the past, but there's one thing you can't say you can't say about Jerry. No matter how he gets done, he's gonna do it his way, and I got a lot of respect for him. Uh, again, before we let you go, Stephen, go ahead if you can let us know, let everyone know listening how they can pick up your audio book.
0: Uh, I guess the easiest way is just to go to my uh, agent's website, Barbara Bauer Literary Agency. It's uh, bbla dot com. Uh, you go on the front page, you click on to uh, our clients' work and you'll see the icon uh, right there. All you got to do is click on. We'll send the book out to you no matter where you are, and you can follow me at Nagy's Nest, the only nest where an eagle is not allowed to land.
1: Uh, It's
0: N-A-G-Y-S-N-E-S-T. And also, uh, another fellow Cowboys fan, supermodel and actress Christy Bella Joyner, I recently wrote an article with her uh, to raise cancer awareness, so if you just Google her name, you don't even got to Google my name, you'll eventually see it. You should check out uh, that article, too, because it's for a good cause, and you'll see me uh, in my suit there holding my uh, Dallas Cowboy uh, CDs with my uh, with my couple rings on. I only got two rings on. I don't have five like the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah. All
2: right, no doubt. Thanks for joining us, man. Make sure you definitely come back during the season.
0: Uh, I appreciate it. Have a good night, guys.
3: All right, you too, man. All right, all right, uh, right, now, right now I have a question for you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know, since we're talking about the Cowboys, uh, I want to hear your thought on the receiving core. No Dez Bryant, no Miles uh, Austin. Do we have to did, talk did, about this? It's, it's so much yeah, other stuff I did, to it's talk the about. the a question. Where, where is Miles Austin? Where has he been the last two years? Okay, well, again, he's
2: been played by a hamstring injury. We know that's why he didn't play during the preseason game. And I don't know, mate. I, I don't think it's necessarily – conditioning, but it gotta be something. I mean he just had this hamstring problem and it'll be okay.
1: It'll be all
2: right. It'll be okay. It'd be just fine. It'll be just fine. Now talking about wide receiver, let's jump to a wide receiver that we know is gonna be looking for a job if he's not looking for one right now and that's Chad Johnson. We got a chance to just watch hard knocks where he just got cut by Coach Philbin in front of the world to see and that was a high-opening moment for me because Chad came in very apologetic. He knew he had made a mistake. And I think he was kind of surprised by the whole move from Philbin. And now that I look back on it when, it, when it broke, I was kind of like, okay, I understand what happened. But now I'm starting to think, like, maybe they made a mistake. Maybe it was a rush judgment call to really cut him like that.
3: Uh, I don't. You know, you, I disagree. Go ahead. You can come in. I, I don't agree just, because if, if you walk the verge – episode of Hard Knocks, I, I, he was already disturbing with the team at you know, from the get-go. He had to put him to the side and talk to him. I don't think that conversation they had was meant to be heard uh, or seen on tape. But uh, having said that, you don't want that distraction this early with your team. And really, the guy hadn't done anything to give you reason to keep it. He didn't do anything last year. He hadn't done anything since he'd been there. he just been lied and boisterous.
1: I, I I agree. I, I agree with that. I don't think that – he doesn't bring anything to the table. Like, if he couldn't do anything with Tom Brady passing him the ball, what makes you think he could do with whoever they decide to trot out in Miami? Uh, I guess it's, it's Tannehill now? Uh, yeah. Or whoever has a starting job down there. But he was just going to be a long-term, season-long distraction. They signed him at the beginning because they figured, hey – if he is a fraction of his former self, he's still an upgrade at the wide receiving core. But the moment that he decides to headbutt his wife, that's when he immediately becomes more trouble than he's worth.
3: Well, have you met his wife? She <laughs> I'm not trying to call it anything different, but she's part of everybody on the show. So get those two together, I'm not surprised. But, uh, you know, it was unfortunate that it happened. I was fully for Chad. I really was fully for Chad to make it this year. But uh, you know, from what I saw in training camp, he couldn't even make separation from the defensive backs. I mean, he wasn't the guy getting open. He wasn't the guy making the plays. Matter of fact, he was the the, the worst receiver out there on the field, from what I saw.
2: Well, they're only going to highlight the only going to highlight the passes he dropped. Now, let's be honest. He he is a he was a number one option on offense until we know what Ryan Tannehill can do. Him and Reggie Bush, the only two offensive options that they really have in that offense for the Dolphins. I mean, Chad was being Chad because he was having fun again. When he went to New England, we all know he couldn't say anything. He had to follow the Patriot way. He kept his mouth closed. But when he got back to Miami, to his hometown, he finally felt more comfortable. He was able to be Chad Johnson again, be loud, be voices. That's when he's at his best, when he had his best season. Was the season he was putting on the show? Back after every touchdown, yeah. that's just it, that's it what when Chad pu- Justin does. You know you're going to get that
1: when he had his best. Yeah, season, at that- 28 years old. Like he was never yeah. a very good route runner. He was always a much better. Like he was always a speed guy, and now he's not fast enough to even get separation from like the rookie uh, defensive backs that are defending him in a uh, in Miami training camp. His the ta- like the talent, the the knowledge of the game is there. He's not he's not fast enough. He was always just a speed guy. The only reason why he did you, well those years right. in uh Cincinnati is because he had Carson Palmer passing to him and T J Zada lining up opposite him. And Zada is actually a decent route runner. He has someone to go into the slot and take out and force those safety to come down to give him that fly route.
3: And I, I agree with everything he's saying. Uh you know, Chad Johnson in Cincinnati was a star. Now, if you can, Tom Brady has made everybody that's come to the Patriots a better player, and, and you know he's a quarterback guy. They're passing deep, passing offense, and for him not to do anything in New England, I had to tell you something, Rodney. Well, I understand it, but again, he, he's coming
2: to a situation, doesn't know the playbook. We all know how complicated the New England offense can that's be. There's no excuse. The offense wasn't catered towards wide receivers; it was catered towards tight ends. That's what they use. They use Hernandez, Gronkowski. That's who they use. They didn't use any wide receivers that really wanted to take that offense. They had to bring in Deion Ranch, one of the only guys in the league that knows that system to be successful. It, it, you know, the thing with Chad is Chad is Chad's a good player. Chad's a good player. Now, he could have he really took his time his first year as a head coach to take a stand, stand by a player, and win over some of those players in the locker room. I think he's going to make more players really kind of, you know, not look at him as a, as a good coach by his move or cutting Chad so early. Before we do all the facts, before we
3: get due process, he just made a decision right off the bat. Ronnie right, you mean to tell me that Deion, I mean, Branch, and, uh, excuse me, you mean to tell me that uh, Randy Moss and Branch didn't flourish in New England?
2: Well, yeah, they did. Uh, they did.
1: We're forgetting one Wes Welker. Like right. he caught, he he set an NFL record for receptions in a season uh, in that New England offense. He had what a hundred and forty-two last last season. Right, he, right. He is absolutely flourished in that New right. England offense. Uh, and and I don't buy the whole the New England offense is complicated. Mainly because I mean his job is to play football. Like, if he right. can't come in there and learn the playbook, then maybe he shouldn't be playing football for a job. Well, I can't argue with that. That I, I can't argue
2: with. So so you guys feel like it was the right move to go ahead and it Absolutely. also
1: Absolutely. It also sends a message to the rest of the team that says, we are, we do not tolerate this kind, even thinking that you might be guilty of this kind of behavior. It sends the right message to the team as a whole, removes a potential distraction for the rest of the season, and makes it so that you can actually focus on developing your young guys as opposed to squeezing the last bit out of the player that used to be Chad Johnson.
3: And I think this sends a great message to the team to let them know that if we cut him, we'll cut anybody.
1: Yeah, Mm. absolutely.
2: Well, I I can understand that. I just just – I'm just looking at it a little bit differently. I I think that sometimes you have to make a football decision. A player's gonna have stuff happen off the off the field, that's fine. But it's sake for your football team, you're a better team with Chad Johnson than you are without one. I mean we can all agree to that, I, right? No. I'm not even sure that's true. <laughs> no, oh,
3: that's come right. on. Come on. I don't think- Dallas needs a third receiver. Why don't you uh, convince Jerry to pick him up.
2: Well, that, brings, that brings me to my next question. is I want to ask you guys, does Chad Johnson end up playing football this year at all? And if so, who do you think
1: will be a good good uh, good fit for him? Chad Johnson may end up playing football this season if someone gets injured. Like if someone, right. if a second or third receiving receiver gets injured and they go a couple of games and their fourth or fifth receiver doesn't, actually perform very well then he'll get a look from a team uh other than other than that happening i don't think so i i would bet on Plaxico burris getting a look before chad johnson does
3: and i can agree with that but you know it only takes one owner to make that decision and you have to be right we don't know who's going to go down you know he that's the only way i can see him getting on a team somebody goes down hurt and uh like I said, right? I don't think Jerry would take a chance on him with the trouble they had with Des Bryant. I, I just don't see Jerry doing that.
1: Well, that also assumes that he doesn't get suspended by the league.
3: Right. True. And
1: that's true too. Goodell has has already gone out and said that he doesn't want his league associated with miscreant behavior. Well, I mean, I mean, abuse
2: falls into that category. Well, you know what? You're right. But you think about this: this could be even more ironic if Jerry goes out there and gets him. Just imagine if he has Chad getting suspended and Des Bryant getting suspended for the same amount of time. I don't know if he can run that risk. I don't think the Cowboys take a chance on it. They've got one person to deal with that's got a pseudo domestic violence type of charge going on, although his mother's not gonna press charges. But I think the team's gonna pick him up pretty quick. I think so. But but in Chad, you know, just to be a little hard on harsh on Chad, you know you can't make mistakes like this. I'm not condoning his behavior whatsoever. But he's had some really good situations. He, of course, owns Cincinnati. Could have been there. Could have retired a bangle. Got cut there. Goes to New England. Goes out with the Super Bowl. Catches one pass. Doesn't have a great season there. Can't learn to play with. Gets cut there. Then goes to play for his hometown team and gets cut there as well, too, for something dumb and, and something that happened off the field, trying to be a reality TV star. So I, I don't I don't feel sorry for Chad. But I think eventually he's going to end up end up playing with somebody.
3: Well, you know, you could be right. We've seen To come back and Randy Moss. Uh, you know, we saw Randy Moss quit on the team. We know the distraction that To had with the teams he's been on. So I mean, who knows? But I can't see it anytime
1: soon. I think yeah. there's a big difference between Chad Johnson and Randy Moss and Terrell Owens.
3: Terrell right. Owens
1: and Randy Moss were absolute game changers on their own. Like, Randy, yeah, sure, Randy Moss had uh, Chris Carter playing opposite him, but he was an absolute monster. Like, you had, like, Chris Carter got as many yards as he did because we had to triple-team Randy Moss over and over again. Like, even so, you look at, like, his numbers declined in Oakland, but they were still better than everyone else. (laughs) Like, Randy Moss is an absolute just physical, like, East. Right, and same thing with Terrell Owens. Like Terrell Owens, the stuff that he put up, the numbers he put up in uh, in Philadelphia and in uh, in San Francisco and in Dallas, especially. Like you look at those. Some of those are some of the best seasons ever had by a wide receiver. Um, and and
3: Ch- they just had to
1: prepare for those guys. Yeah, Chad Johnson never had really that tight. Like he put up some good numbers but never he was never really that game changing talent that mm-hmm. Randy Moss like you, you never looked at that and said okay we only have to cover Chad Johnson right and then we can shut them down you'd say we have to cover Chad Johnson and Houchmanza is going to going to ding us up a little bit and then they're going to dump it off to uh I can't remember who the running back was at the time but like they had they yeah, had a pretty so, like solid offense all around, it wasn't mm-hmm. all Chad Johnson.
2: Yeah. yeah, but I, well, I, 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 I can to that. I, okay, agree. I don't think it's fair I, to
1: draw the comparison. I think that's giving Chad Johnson too much credit.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I agree. I, I think Chad's a great – I think he'll end up somewhere. We'll find out if he has anything left and probably find out this season if he has something left. Let's jump into the NBA real fast, fellas. Uh, Dwight Howard, the trade goes through. We knew it, I knew it was coming. I think some of you, some of the people, I know Royston didn't think it was coming. But it did finally come down. They used to get the trade. Dwight Howard's the L.A. Laker now. Of course, he's not going to re-sign until the end of the season. We know that as well, too. But with this shift of Dwight Howard going to the Lakers along with Steve Nash, does that make the Lakers the kings of the West or even the kings of the NBA? i say
3: they're the second best. I'm still going to get a nod to Oklahoma City. But how in the world did the Lakers pull that off? And what in the world was Miami thinking not to take Paul Casal? I a-
1: mean, uh, after Orlando.
3: Seen, yeah, after what I've seen them do in the, in the Olympics, for them to just give him away and get nothing in return, I, I don't understand that. I think the general manager in Miami needs to be fired because that was a bad, you gave away the best center. Out there now And you got nothing in return
1: He got a bunch of 20 to 30 Draft picks And a couple of second right. rounders And right. Not a whole lot else Like L.A. absolutely made out them Like a bandit They were going to make out pretty well If they landed Dwight Howard To begin with But not having to give right. up Pau Gasol
3: Right I
1: think it puts them I think it puts them in the like Probably the best team in the West uh, I don't think they can beat Miami. I think it really depends on how hungry LeBron is come NBA Finals time. I, I, you, I, know, I you
2: know what I think? To... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go I catch
1: up. I was going to say, the reason, I mean, I don't think that Steve Nash can guard Dwayne Wade. And no, so, right. like, no. it all starts and stops with the point guard. I think offensively they're a better team. Defensively I don't think they're as good. Dwight Howard exactly. going
2: to the Lakers, like, gentlemen. That is that is what we call tradition. Okay, this, this is what happens. Every big man, seven footer with a with a skill considered to be one of the best at the time, they all go through L.A. George Michael, Wood Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, Shaq, and now Dwight Howard adds his name to that list as well too. It, it, it's tradition. It had to happen eventually he had to go to L.A. and play in the purple and gold. Now, does that make them the best team in the West? Perhaps it does. Now, now the, the thing is, you got you can't count Oklahoma City because if you look in that USA versus Spain final, four players in the starting five of Oklahoma City were playing. Four out of the starting five. But well, you look at the Lakers, they, they could have easily had, had four in the starting five as well. Uh, at least uh, they had two players. Could have had two players. Uh, or more, if Dwight Howard would have played, they would have had three players in the starting lineup for that game. But Oklahoma City had four, four young guys in their starting lineup playing in their Olympic final. that tells you just what kind of talent they really have. But can they afford to keep all four of those young players next season, season after that? The Lakers are pretty much wrapped up. I mean, they might not do it the first year, but I see them definitely getting it done by that second year.
3: For that reason, I am giving Oklahoma City nod, because you did say they had to – Four, four players in the Olympics. But, you know, we've seen this experiment in L.A. before with Carl Malone, Gary Payton, uh, that team, and they didn't win a championship. So who's this is to say nothing that like this, that, though. This is nothing you know, like well, that. Well, they, they, they were all all-stars. Every one of those guys I named are all-stars. And, and oh. that's what you have on this team now. But who's to say that it's going to work? Uh, even if they can play well together. And, like, I, I agree with uh, what he said earlier about Steve Nash is not a good defensive player. So, uh, I mean, you got
1: two or three good players, but so does every other team. I, I don't think it's fair to draw the comparison between this team and that Carl Malone-Gary Payton team, which still made it to the NBA Finals, mainly because – Carl Malone, that was his last year in the league. He was 100 yeah. years old when he was yeah, playing for the Lakers. Right. Dwight Howard is, how old is he, like 24? Like, yeah. he's young. He's in the, he's well, in the well, prime Cole's of his old. career. Kobe's Who? old, Paul Gasol,
3: he's up there. Steve Nash is definitely up there. So you do pa- have a pa- Pal- nucleus of
1: old and new, like the last team. I mean, Paul Gasol is, uh, he's he's up there, but he's still... He's closer to his prime than he is to being retired, and right. Kobe's up there. But I think if you take some of that offensive pressure off of him, which they certainly do with Steve Nash and uh, and Dwight Howard, like banging down there in the post, you, suddenly you actually have like point guard play was the weakest like the weakest part of right. LA's game last year, and you upgrade from uh, what Steve that Blake is- to Steve Nash. I, guess that, I I'd rather I'll tell you which team I'd rather have and it's not Blake. All
3: right. <laughs> and, and you know on that but I I uh I'm still going to give a nod to Oklahoma City. Uh because they are young, they are talented and they did keep the nucleus of this team, they've been to the finals. Uh we saw the same thing with Miami. Uh they went to the finals, they didn't win, but I think Oklahoma uh Oklahoma's going to be a better team this year. And I'm not ready to crown LA Champions yet, not just yet. Well, let's talk about uh, Team USA. We just mentioned how
2: a lot of these players that we're talking about are teams have players playing in this final. Team USA does get the gold medal. They beat Spain one hundred four to eighty eight. In your opinion, Royce, I'll start with you. Who was the MVP for this uh, USA basketball team?
3: Oh, Kevin Durant, without a, without, without a question. Uh, I thought Carmelo Anthony and you know a lot of guys had a good. Uh, Olympic series, but Kevin Durant, I got to give him 156 points, the most ever scored by anybody playing Olympic basketball. And I tell you, his his shots counted when the when the USA was running behind or even uh, in danger. He hit the big shots, and I thought he was the MVP of the Olympics. And Ryan, what do you think? Well, who's the MVP?
2: I think we lost him. Did we lose him? Yeah.
3: Okay. Go ahead and give me give us your take, Ryan.
2: Ryan, if you're listening, go ahead and give us a call back, buddy. I think we lost you. In, in my opinion, I have to go with Kevin Durant too for the same reasons. I think when they needed a shot, he was a guy to the go-to guy to really get it done. And and also, I think he deserved. It. I mean, he did he did wonders for them back in uh, 2010 when they had the championship. He was the MVP then. I think now he's, he's he's come of age and become MVP for Olympic gold medal. And, and LeBron, a lot of people say LeBron should get it. No doubt in my mind, LeBron, it was really LeBron's team. He was more of the facilitator right. being that he's been in this, what, this is his third year in the Oli- third time in the Olympics. Right. Uh, right, And it has to be the first athlete, the first basketball player to compete in four Olympics when they go to Rio. So it, he's becoming, you know, this is his team type of thing. But Kevin Durant, no doubt about it, was the best shooter that they had. He's the only man. He's the biggest matchup problem that they had, other than LeBron going against some of the inferior talent across the across the league. Of course, but you can say that about any player.
3: And, and LeBron would be my second choice, like you said. He was the leader of this team. He had a triple double, which is unheard of in the Olympics. But I was really impressed with Spain and the Casal brothers. I thought they played fantastic. I think Paul Gasol found new legs. I, I think he's going to be a beast when he comes out this year. If we get that same kind of Paul Gasol that we saw in the Olympics on the Lakers team, I mean, the West, you might as well crown him the West champion.
2: Man, trying to get Ryan back on here. Ryan, if you're listening, give us a call back. Uh, and uh, speaking of the Olympics themselves, let me ask you, Royce, what do you think about. The Olympics overall. I mean, it was a pretty good Olympics. What what really stood stood out with you in this particular 2012
3: London Olympics? Well, right now I I was impressed. You know, U.S. won 107 uh, medals total. They they, you know they beat everybody. But I'm tell you, I was more impressed with the women. We saw the women dominate the swimming, the water polo, the soccer, the beach volleyball, the gymnastics. And I, I, I thought they—we had a 15-year-old swimming, you know, on the women's swim team. I thought the women were fantastic, man. E- even in the relays, they won the relay. I, I thought the women really dominated. It was great to watch. You know, uh, a lot of stars came out of the Olympics. We never heard of. I, I thought it was just fantastic. Hello. Hello. Hello? Oh, are you there? Okay. Hello?
2: I'm
3: trying to patch him through here. Okay. how long? just a minute, Ryan. Okay. I'm
2: trying to get him back on. All right, Ryan, are you there? Okay. Well, if you're listening, give us a call right back. Sorry about that. <laughs> trying to get him on the air to talk a little bit about the Olympics. In my opinion, I think the biggest thing that happened. Other than Usain Bolt and what he was able to do, of course you can look at what uh, what uh, Michael Phelps was able to do. But, but for me, it was about Gabby. It was about what she did, being the first African-American to really dominate the gymnastics like she did. I think that's pretty much huge. I mean, that's that's history-setting stuff right there. That I'm glad I had a chance to,
3: to really see. Yeah, 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 you're right. That, now that's why I gave it to the women because of Gabby, too. And, you know, the women's basketball – we hadn't even talked about them but they won what like thirty some games in a row. They haven't yeah. lost in years and, and they were dominant too. That's why I say I, I thought the women just really dominated the Olympics and to me the favorite moment was watching them win, you know, and, and to help us get those hundred and seven medals. You know, I thought they did a great job. I I mean I enjoyed even handball. <laughs> and I watched a lot of water polo. I, I yeah. watched a lot of the Olympics that, that I, BMX racing, you know, I, I thought it was great. I I hate it, I didn't get to see a lot of it. I wish it had been on like the whole twenty four hours. I think I would have watched it for the whole twenty four hours. But uh other than that I I thought the US did great and I can't wait till it's in Brazil and I plan on being there. Yeah, I plan on
2: being in Brazil too. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to be the best opening ceremony ever right, in the right. It's going to be
1: the
2: <laughs> I think it's going to be the best one ever. Okay, we got Ryan back on. With the side Ryan, I don't know what happened, but a technical difficulty there. We got you back on the air with us. We're talking about the Olympics. What was your biggest moment uh, watching the Olympics uh, for London, twenty twelve?
1: I really liked watching uh, Kayla Harrison win the, yeah. uh, the the judo her judo medal. The, uh, oh yeah, medal that was cool. cool. That was cool. The first the first medal ever won by a woman, first gold medal, sorry, ever won by a U.S. woman in uh, in judo. And while I don't understand a single like, I had no idea what was going on. The announcers, I think, realized that and did their best to explain it. But her story is is absolutely amazing. She was like she was uh, had. Started judo at a young age, and then was sexually molested by her then coach. And then her family uprooted her, took her to Massachusetts, and she uh, fell in with her coaches that where she eventually won the gold medal uh, from Massachusetts. So watching the adversity that she uh, that she had to fight through, and the look on her face when she realized that she had finally won was just, I think, one of the coolest moments to that I had the pleasure of watching.
3: And you know there were a lot of great stories as far as the women were concerned. That's why I say I thought they really were great, and I'm giving them the nod. You know, even the the, the girl from uh, Colorado that had to go through what she went through the week before before going to the Olympics, and of course now Rodney, you mentioned Gabby. You know, a lot of great stories came out of this year's Olympics.
1: It's actually also one of the first times that North and South Korea amiably competed in the same game. And
3: we had countries like Saudi Arabia uh, where women actually participated in the Olympics. You know, that's the first time for them. Yeah. And some of those countries, yeah. I thought that was really great, too. Okay, so let me ask you guys. If you were the head of the IOC you,
2: they, and they wanted to come to you and say, you know what, we can we can take something out of the Olympics and maybe put something in before Rio in 2016, uh, if you had to take a uh, event out or put one in, which one would it be, Ross?
3: Well, if it's going to be in Rio, I'd say swimsuit competition. <laughs> 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 I would love to see it in Rio. I would have to say the swimsuit competition
1: brought in just especially for the Rio game.
3: Ryan,
2: what do you think?
1: Uh, I think we really like boxing needs a lot of reform. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. We, we we talked about this last week with uh, how the judging system is really messed up. Uh it's very different. Uh the amateur boxing is very different from professional boxing. Uh there needs to they either need to do something to reform it or maybe bring it in line, remove some of the potential judging errors that could cost people medals. Uh something needs to be done about that before we have another Olympic Games and maybe they're working on a solution. Uh and putting it back in, I'd love to see baseball back in. I love baseball, and it's a shame that it got taken out. But at the same time, I'd love to see it put back in.
2: Yeah, I think that would be really cool. You know you know what i like to see in, um, in Olympics? You know, I know we're doing basketball. What, what if we had a three-on-three tournament
3: in the Olympics? I mean,
2: you know, some kind of hoop-it-up style, three-on-three. every would be kind of cool. I, I would think it would be kind of cool. And then I and then I, I w I didn't realize this until someone brought it up to me today. You know, back when the Olympics started, you know one of the biggest events that they used to have was tug of war.
1: Right. I mean just just imagine
2: having tug of, just imagine having a tug of war against another country. On the beach in Rio, you know, that, that would be kinda cool to me to have tug of war.
3: And you know they just about put in just about every sport there is in now. You have yeah, BMX, I mean. yeah, skating, I mean yeah. The handball was really fun to watch. I, you know, I, I hadn't seen that before. I thought that was. take me a while to get on to it. But, but you're absolutely right. I agree with him about the boxing. It was some of the worst officiating I've seen in the Olympics, and I, I, I think we got robbed in that, and I, I would like to see them overhaul that.
2: You know, before we go, I want to do acknowledge uh, uh, Ryan uh, Henry. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter, at D underscore Ryan Henry. And you wrote an article last week about the MVP race for both the, both the American League and National League. We got a lot of lot of responses back from. Uh, matter of fact, we received an email from a gentleman that wanted to know uh, why you thought some of the names. That he, I think you said you left out a name. I'm trying to find the guy's email real quick. Uh, I think yeah, he was asking about uh, Mike Trout. Yeah, Mike Trout is your number one person for the AL MVP. And I don't know why, but he seems to think that you should have our own Josh Hamilton as number one.
1: Oh, no, absolutely not. Uh, (laughs) Josh Hamilton needed to not bat below the Mendoza line for all of June and July. If he had kept up what was going on in April and May, then absolutely he's having an MVP-type season. But he, he was barely batting his weight for the last two months. And he's seen a little bit of a resurgence, but you look at what Mike Trout's putting together down there in uh in LA and I don't see really how he can be touched. He is he's batting almost four hundred he's probably like he is the the best the best shot for someone to win a triple crown this year. He's he is just and, and, blowing and it
3: up. And I I can agree with that. And I have a question right quick. I know it's
1: what what has happened to the Rangers? Why have they fallen off? They're not getting uh, consistent production from their pitching staff, and they're, they're, the lineup actually isn't hitting very much. So you see right. kind of a a dual slump, which usually you you would hope that if your hitters are having a slump, your pitching would step up, or if your pitchers are having a slump, maybe you get a little bit extra run support in there but we're just not getting those timely hits. You're watching uh, Mike Young actually fly out, which isn't something he did all of last year, and he's done it a few times this year. So you just watch Mike Young not hitting those those same clutch hits that we're accustomed to seeing. Uh, Beltre is – I feel kind of sorry for Beltray. I say our, all of our hitters are, are in a slump. Beltre – if 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 there was going to be a ranger that's in the MVP discussion, it's Beltran, not Hamilton, just because right. he has been producing at a high caliber all season. Uh, or I mean, Andrews would be the other one, although he had his own little hitting slump a few weeks ago. But you're just no, not think... seeing those. You're not seeing those same clutch hits, and the pitching isn't quite up to par. You're watching Dempster just getting absolutely blown up right. by whoever it against. I mean, two out of
2: three games for Dempsey's pitch, he's given up eight runs in two out of the three games that he's pitched. I mean, we make a trade for this guy. I mean, I'm thinking he's going to help us push us over the edge, and he hasn't really done much to really help us. He got that run support that first game that gave us the win, but ever since then, it's, you know, like the last game they just played, that was against the Yankees, he did a terrible job. Right. One, right. thing I wanna, one thing I want to ask you about about the article you wrote is I have one disagreement with you. And that's in the National League. I think there's no doubt in my mind, it's got to be Andrew McCutchen, the number one guy. He's got to be, he's got to be the MVP for the National League. What he's done, not just for his numbers as an individual, but just for the, the Pirates alone, you know, the way he's kind of brought them to the forefront and and the stuff he's been able
1: to do this season. I think I think it's just inevitable that they're going to give it to him. I I mean I actually agree with you in my. In my... Final paragraph i he's the, he's my national league pick as far as who the voters are going to go for, but the reason why I have braun up there over McCutcheon is if you look at them statistically, they're having very, very similar seasons, and Braun doesn't have nearly the type of lineup protection that McCutcheon says, like Pittsburgh is blowing up, and McCutcheon granted is a very, very large reason behind that, but Braun has no one following him, granted. I really don't think they're going to give it to Braun because of the performance-enhancing drug allegations that haunted him uh, during this past off season. And in fact, he probably shouldn't have even been playing had it not been for a favorable appeal. Uh, otherwise, he would have been out what the first hundred games of this season right. would have gotten the Manny Ramirez treatment. And so, yeah. because of, basically because of those allegations, I don't think that voters are going to give him the MVP award. That's for sure. So, I, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think McCutcheon's is going to win it, but I think if it went to statistically who's doing the best, I think the lineup behind Braun is more lacking than the lineup behind McCutcheon. So it's just like that that little hair of a difference.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I can understand that. I can understand that. Well, guys,
1: we do have a tweet
2: from Ocho Stinka. I've been trying to send him some tweets all day. We found have a tweet from him. He tweeted this, uh, well, a little while ago. He says, I haven't had to tread water in a long time. Special thank you to my fans, family, friends for keeping me afloat. So he makes a statement. Now, his wife, on the other hand, has decided to make a statement as well, too. And she's went ahead and filed for a divorce. She also said that Chad needs some help. And, uh, well, I, I think I kind of guessed that she would take this time to kind of enhance her brand, I guess the best way to put it.
3: Yeah, you know, you had to be suspect about their marriage to begin with. They met on tweet, and and their whole romance played out in front of the public. Guy, you know, it's unfortunate that it happened. You know, they wasn't married. What couple of weeks? Yeah, Uh, July we got married, and uh, you know, I'm not surprised. But you know, we've seen this. It's unfortunate for Chad, and I, I think she's gonna really ride this thing for the publicity. So uh, it canceled that show, though. The show was scheduled for September the 3rd. I I know that's gone. But, uh, you know, football season up on us. Chad's gone. We have to move on. There's a lot we're going to talk about in the future, a lot of quarterbacks I saw uh, that I was impressed with. And we have to get into that on the next show, Rodney.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. But before we go, I want to thank everyone for listening. Members go to the website, rfSportsRadio.com. Follow us there. Before we go real quick, let's go around. Starting with you, Ryan. You saw first week NFL preseason. What did you see
1: that really surprised you? Who are you excited about watching this season? Uh, I'm excited to watch Andrew Luck this season. He uh, he had a terrific first game. Now the question is: Is he ha- did he have a terrific first game in the same way that Peyton Manning had a terrific first game, or did he have a terrific first game in the same way that Ryan Leaf? had a terrific first ooh, game oh good so, one that
2: sounds so like a, I, a easy article my
1: friend <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for, I'm looking, now granted I don't think he's going to go the Ryan Leaf way because there's some other issues that uh, that were following him around but Andrew Luck is the person I'm most looking forward to watching this season
3: there's three people I'm looking at Andrew Luck is one of me. I to agree with him on that Robert Griffith is third and Peyton man nothing those are the three things that I'm going to look for. Just
2: yeah, I think, I think what I'm looking for is, of course, the rookie quarterbacks. And I'm, I'm kind of getting interested in this whole thing that's happening in, the, in Seattle with Russell Wilson. Of course, they made the, the trade to get uh, Matt Flynn to get there. They've got DeVar the Jackson, but it looks like Russell Wilson will go ahead and get the uh, – we're going to hopefully get the nod to play. So I'm really intrigued about that and what they're doing in Seattle, bringing in T.O., I'm also intrigued by the battle in Miami with Tannehill and how he's looked. And then, of course, Arizona. I don't, th- I don't think they even need a quarterback in Arizona. They have nothing. Nothing in Arizona. They got the best wide receiver in the game and no one is on the ball. So, I'm a little intrigued by that, too. But that's been our show tonight, guys. Again, tune in on Thursday night, 1030 p.m., same time, same way. Whatever you did to find us tonight, you can find us the same way again tomorrow. Until then, make sure you follow our website, rfsportsradio.com. Also, follow Ryan Henry at the underscore Ryan Henry on Twitter Twitter, and follow us at rfsportsradio. Until next week, you've been listening to Sports Talk from a Fan's Perspective when you want it, rfsportsradio.com.